Okay, we're going to f- keep going on our journey with the children of Israel. We've been uh, concluding and concluding and concluding. It's just kind of like I heard somebody say one time, what does it mean when the pastor says in his message, in closing, means nothing. <laughs> I kind of thought of that this, this when I was thinking about because I've been telling you that we're going to conclude our journey with the children of Israel. But, oh, there's one more thing. Oh, there's one more thing. Uh, but we are, we are winding it down for sure. <laughs> Last week we talked about conclusions. And today we're talking about commissioning. Uh, In the future, we're going to talk about consecration and then crossing. So there is an intentional plan in our journey. Journey. We are not wandering in the wilderness. (laughs) Okay. It's been a fascinating journey uh, for me. I have just been so amazed in the similarities uh, that the children of Israel have walked through and the things that we walk through in the kingdom. And I do believe the the series, we've we've been talking on it for most of this year, actually. And I feel like it has... Uh, there is some good fruit from it. Just last week, I had somebody tell me, when you've been talking about the whining and the complaining, oh, that's just been piercing my heart. And I've just been watching what I say. And I was like, praise God. That's good. That's progress. We all need to watch what we say and eliminate that murmuring and that complaining uh, from our conversation. But last week we saw that it came time for conclusions. We read about the death of Miriam and Aaron, who were Moses' sibling companions. We also read about that account of the sad disobedience of Moses disobeying God in those instructions that he received for providing that water for the Israelites. Remember, we talked about the reason why that was so severe was because that rock, the rock that was bringing forth the water was symbolism. It was typology of Jesus, our Redeemer. And in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 7, verse 27, the writer of Hebrews, she told us that Uh, The writer of Hebrews told us that the rock would be struck for mankind one time, once and for all. And Moses then actually had struck the the rock three times. So it destroyed the typology there. It was a huge disobedient action. Moses broke faith with God. He disobeyed his instructions. And because he did it in front of the entire congregation, you remember that? He did it in front of everyone. Moses did not fear God. That's what his actions portrayed. So because of that sin... Moses' time as leader of the Israelites into the promised land was concluded. So last week at the end of our time together, we made some decisions in our own lives to bring things to a conclusion. Sometimes God speaks to us about bringing relationships to a conclusion. Thought processes, for sure, we need to bring to a conclusion. Sin! How about let's bring to conclusion some sin in our life. Let's repent and get it under the blood. We talked about that because as we go into our promised land, we don't want to drag anything with us. 
We want to leave it right there and let it conclude. Just as Moses, we read in Deuteronomy 32, Moses was instructed to go up on the mountain and die. And we talked about the symbolism in that, the spiritual symbolism of dying to go up. When we became Christ followers, we died to ourselves so we could go to a higher plane of living with Jesus Christ. And we must continually die on mountains as we go up. Mountains of self, mountains of sin, mountains of carnal living, just a host of other things that the Holy Spirit will speak to us about it. We grow up to go up. Amen. We grow up so we can go up. And we live dying so that we can die living. We grow up to go up and we live dying so we can die living. And now it's time for God to turn the page. He's going to commission a new leader to take the children of Israel over into the promised land. It's a new season. It's a new generation of Israelites and they're standing right on that edge and they're anxious to go forward. But first there has to be a commissioning. There has to be a leader that God has chosen to bring up. So let's pray over the word today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you because it lives. And Lord, we ask today that it would live in us. We thank you that it teaches us, God, that it prepares us. And Lord, today I pray that it will teach and prepare us. I pray that these simple words, as we study about the life of Joshua, will bring encouragement to us that we can take things that we've learned, Lord, and apply them to our own hearts today. That we would be commissioned as we go forward, Lord, commissioned to go in and receive our inheritance. Bless us today, Lord, to hear what the Spirit is saying. In Christ's name, amen. Now, Moses, of course, he loved these people, even though they were obstinate and stubborn. They were still his people. And he was concerned. He was concerned in his heart. So he spoke to God about a successor. And we can read in Numbers 27, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or it'll be on the screen. Numbers 27, verse 15 through 17. Also, you can look in your YouVersion app. Remember, you can go to YouVersion and get the notes for the sermon in all of the Scripture. Numbers 27, verse 15 through 17. Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man, Over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them. One who shall lead them out and bring them in. That the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So Moses begins by addressing God with words of praise. Acknowledging that God is indeed the sovereign Yahweh God. He's the sovereign Lord over all the earth. And as the sovereign Lord, Moses feels that surely God has a successor in mind who is going to be the shepherd of the people. Since the Lord God knows the hearts of all men, he alone, Moses is saying, can be the judge of the inner qualities those things that are going to be needed for the job ahead. Notice that the 
the uh, successor from Moses is not going to be chosen because of blood relationship. It's not going to be Moses' son. Remember we read last week where it was Aaron's son that stepped into the priesthood. But it's not going to be that way for the leader of the people. The leadership is not passed down to Moses' son as Aaron's priesthood was passed down to his son. And the leader is not going to step into position because the people voted for him. He's not going to be a king over the people. He's not going to be selected or chosen by a popular election. The successor from Moses is going to be chosen solely by God. By looking into the inner heart, by knowing whom he already chose, when he formed him in his mother's womb, he was already chosen to step into this time in history. Numbers 27, verse 18 through 20. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eliezer, the priest, and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. So the Lord has spoken. He has answered Moses' prayer. And he has selected Joshua. And Joshua will become the new leader of Israel. And there is much that we can learn from Joshua's life that we can use to disciple our own lives. So today we're just going to kind of do an overview of Joshua and get to know him today as he goes forwards. The first thing that we notice about Joshua is that Joshua had submitted himself to a mentoring relationship under the authority of a spiritual father. Joshua had submitted himself to a mentoring relationship under the authority of a spiritual father. It doesn't matter how gifted, doesn't matter how talented you are, we will all grow and we can all mature in the body of Christ with the help of mentors and when we submit ourselves to a spiritual leader. We all have to learn that discipline of serving others first before God elevates us to a place of leadership. As we submit ourselves to someone who's walked a little further down the road than us, we can find the lessons that we learn from them are invaluable as a Christ follower. The Apostle Paul modeled this mentoring relationship with Timothy. Paul referred to Timothy as his true child in the faith. He encouraged him not to allow anyone to discourage him because of his youth, but he encouraged Timothy to set a good example in speech and conduct and in purity. Now, I encourage all of you today to pray. Ask God to bring a spiritual mother or a spiritual father, if you don't have one, into your life. No matter how old you are or how long you've been serving the Lord, there is always someone, there is always someone on the path a little ahead of you that you can learn from, that you can submit to, who you can be accountable to, who can teach you. And I encourage you today, if you don't have that someone in your life, pray and ask God to send that person into your life. We're never at a place where we have learned it all and we cannot learn from others. Scripture called Mos uh, Joshua Moses' assistant. 
And he indicates that Joshua had been in that position of a helper to Moses since he was a youth. Joshua was faithful and he was trustworthy to Moses. He was loyal. He was obedient to every instruction Moses gave. And I don't believe there was ever a time in his life, there's never an indication that he was doing that because he felt like he would succeed Moses. He was doing that because he loved the people of Israel and because he loved Moses. And never could he have thought that Moses would would disobey God in such a way that Moses would not finish the journey. But he was loyal and true. He was obedient. He lent a hand to Moses' success. His support was invaluable. He was a true spiritual son to Moses. And Moses was a true spiritual father to Joshua. And that relationship was a gift to both individuals. So if you don't have someone in your life that you feel like can really sow and invest into your life, then pray for God to send you one. He will. He'll do that. Number two about Joshua that we want to see is that Joshua had a personal relationship with God. He had a personal relationship. Despite the fact that Joshua had lived all those years in the shadow of Moses for decades, and he had observed Moses' intimacy with God, Joshua still cultivated his own relationship with God. He had significant encounters. Joshua had significant encounters with God. He didn't lean on the relationship that Moses had. He was hungry for God on his own. He knew that he needed his own relationship. He didn't depend on his mentor Moses' relationship with God for his own spiritual well-being. He was blessed by Moses' personal interaction with God because Moses continually and intentionally exposed Joshua to God. Did you get that? Moses exposed Joshua to God. Listen, parents, exposing your children to God is the most significant and the most important job that you have. That's the most important job of parenting. I've been amazed over the years, and I've actually heard how parents would leave the decision of whether their children would attend church. They would leave the decision of whether they would have prayers in the home. They would leave the decision of whether they're going to study the Bible in the home and read the Bible in the home up to the children. I actually have heard that said. Well, you don't allow your children to decide if they want to go to school. You don't allow your children the decision, oh, I don't feel like doing my homework today. Okay, then you don't have to do it. You don't have to read that book. You don't want to read it? Don't read that book. No, you don't do that. So why would you do that with their spiritual education? You need to expose them. I've heard parents say too, and this again is not a parenting sermon. I know I think I said that last week. But I heard parents say too that they're just going to wait until their children get older and let them make the decision for themselves. That's ludicrous. <laughs> stupid. It's stupid, Miss Pam, isn't it? How can they decide to live for Jesus when they get older when no one has modeled it before them? 
No one has modeled them before them. No one has exposed them to living for Jesus. You have to be exposed and you have to be intentional about raising your children for Jesus. You need to have them into church whenever there's an opportunity. You need to have them into ministry programs. You need to have them gathered up to read the Bible with them, to pray with them, to continually expose them. That didn't hurt anybody. Now, I've heard people say, oh, my, my parents drug us to church so much. When I grew up, I was sick of going to church. Well, that's a sin problem. Okay? You never accepted Jesus as your Savior. And that's just a sin problem. That's not because you were drugged to church. Moses gave Joshua opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to be exposed to the presence of God. And every time he was, that hunger in Joshua grew greater. That hunger grew stronger. As Moses' spiritual father, he exposed Joshua repeatedly to the presence of God. When Moses went up on the mountain, we read about it a few weeks ago. When Moses went up on that mountain with the elders, remember that? We read it in Exodus 24. And the elders, remember, they saw the presence of God. They saw the God of Israel in whatever form God had allowed. We know that they saw his feet and this sapphire color underneath him. Remember that? And they ate and drank in God's presence. Joshua was there. And then afterwards, when God called Moses up a little further on the mountain, and Moses spent the 40 days and nights in God's glory, Joshua was somewhere near there. Scripture's not clear exactly, but look what it says in Exodus 24, verse 13. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua. Says it right there. When God called him up further, he got up and he went with his assistant Joshua. And Moses went up into the mountain of God and he said to the elders, wait here for us. You got a monkey in your pocket, Moses? No, it's Joshua. Wait here for us and we will return to you. So Moses exposed Joshua. Obviously, Joshua was with him, and he experienced God's glory on some level, and that deepened his personal relationship with God. So Joshua had his own relationship. Spiritual mentors, spiritual mothers and fathers, like I said, are in and out of our life for seasons. There's going to come a day, though, when you're going to need to be able to call on God for yourself. So you must have, mom and daddy's not always going to be there to pray for you. Grandma's not always going to be there. Aunt Susie's not always going to be there. You're going to need your own relationship with God. Joshua knew that and he developed that. Number three, Joshua was filled with the Spirit of God. Referring back to that scripture we read when God chose Joshua. Numbers 27 and verse 18, it said, So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. The words, a man in whom is the Spirit, that's a description of Joshua that we'd all like to be said of us, right? 
I'd like for somebody to refer to me, hey, Pat, she's a woman of the Spirit. Wouldn't you like that, Don? Don, he is a man of the Spirit, and he is a man of the Spirit. But Joshua was a man in whom there was the Spirit. We can get some insight into where that originated in Joshua, that Spirit-filled life, in Exodus 33. Let's look at verse 7 through 11. Now Moses used to take the tent. He's talking about the tent of meeting before there was the tabernacle. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and they would watch Moses as he goes into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud, and we know from our past study, that's the presence of God. The presence of God would descend and it would stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. Verse 10 says, And when all the people saw that pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses turned again in the camp, meaning when Moses gets up, goes back to the camp, his assistant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Now, this tent of meeting, we said, it served to be the place of spiritual communion. It was the place of fellowship before the tabernacle. And verse 8 said, whenever Moses would go to the tent, meaning every time he went, every time he went, God manifest his abiding presence in a tangible way so that the people saw it. And when this happened, the people joined into worship. But more importantly, what we just read here, when Moses returned to the camp, Joshua remained in the presence of the Lord. Joshua remained. What a beautiful, what a powerful statement about the deep devotion to God and the depth of the Spirit's working in Joshua's life. Listen, only hungry people are going to remain in the presence of God when everyone else gets up and departs. Only seekers, only those who are desperate to be filled with His presence are going to remain when everyone else goes back to life as usual. I really feel like in the days ahead, God is going to be calling us more and more and more into his presence. And in order to go more and more and more into his presence, you're going to have to lay down some other things. It's going to cost. It's going to cost something. But it is so important. So Joshua remained. Joshua realized his need for the presence of God for his journey in the days ahead. He knew that God's presence would be needed to lead such a great company of people. Even if he didn't know he would be the leader, he knew they needed the Spirit of God. He knew that they weren't going to go forward without the presence of God. 
Deuteronomy 34.9 said this about Joshua too. Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. So with that spirit living in him, it brought wisdom to him that he needed in the days ahead. The fourth thing we can learn about Joshua is that he was a man of faith. Now, we talked a good deal about Joshua's report after he journeyed along with 11 other men to spy out that promised land. We talked about that a few weeks back. And though 10 men, 10 men brought back a report of fear, Joshua and Caleb, remember, they refused to be swayed by the majority and they stood firm on their faith-filled conviction that no matter what the challenges were, no matter what it looked like, there was nothing too hard for their God. There was nothing too hard for the God of power and might who the Israelites served. I can tell you right now in this culture, we are salmon swimming upstream. We are going against the flow. (laughs) And you're going to be just like Joshua and Caleb. You're going to be in instances where 10 other people are going to say, Look at this. This is what we need to do, or this is where we need to go, or we can't do that, or we can't go there because look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. You're going to have to be filled with courage and boldness to stand against the flow. You're going to have to stand against the report of the majority and say, I believe the report of the Lord. Joshua was blessed to have a Caleb. You might not have a Caleb. (laughs) It might just be little old you standing alone in your office, your workplace, or your neighborhood, or your family. We have to continue to ask the Lord to fill us with courage and boldness. We'll be able to stand in that day. Joshua was a man of faith. And he had remembered all the faithfulness of God. God had already delivered them. He could rehearse it for you. God had already delivered them from the Egyptians. He had already delivered them from the Amalekites. He had already delivered them from dying from starvation in the wilderness. He had already delivered them from dying of thirst in the wilderness. He also remembered that abiding presence of God was always with them. All he had to do was look up. And there, if it was night, there was the fire. If it was day, there was the cloud. Joshua knew all of these things. He magnified the Lord in his report. He tried to encourage the people by even telling them that their enemy had no protection. The enemy was exposed. I think that's a great word for us today. If 2020 has done nothing else, it has exposed the enemy. (laughs) And now that we have that information We will be so much more directive in our prayers. We can be so much more laser focused in our affair, in our prayers and every, our declarations and our decrees because now we know exactly who the enemy is and what his plans are. We have the insight to fight in this battle. And that's what Joshua was telling The people of Israel, the children of Israel, look, our enemy has no protection. Whatever false gods they were leaning into, there's nothing. It's nothing for our God. And these were not just words for Joshua. 
He believed this in his heart. God's faithfulness was already settled in his heart. We have got to settle the faithfulness question in our heart. We do not have time any longer to go back one day saying, God's going to help me out of this, and the next day saying, oh, I don't know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then the next day, God is good. He's going to help me out of this. Oh, I don't know. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I gonna? We have got to stop that game. We have got to settle the faithfulness in the faithfulness question in our hearts. It does not matter what it looks like. It does not matter what's going on around you. God is faithful. He is faithful to you. And that question, no matter what storm, no matter what trial, because there are going to be some storms. We've already had some. There are going to be some challenges and some trials and some hard places. We are going to go through some hard places. And you have got to have it settled in your heart that God is faithful. No matter what happens, God is faithful. God is faithful to me. Joshua had that settled in his heart. And when we face a challenge, we are going to have to rehearse in our mind all the times when God has been there for us. You need to get you a book and you need to write it down. How many times God bailed you out so that when the time comes and the enemy is telling you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Then you're going to get out that little book and you say, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe because look what he did here in 2019. Look what he did here in January of 2020. Look what he did here. You got the good word of God and his faithfulness so you could just read it right back to the enemy. Testify. God's goodness. Testify. Open your mouth. I like to quote Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Joshua's faith was strong. And it served him all the days of his life. It was settled in his heart, the faithfulness of God. The last thing, Joshua was a warrior. After crossing that Red Sea, remember the Israelites encountered a people, the Amalekites. Remember the Amalekites were bullies. They were cowards. They come upon the backside, the rear of the procession, and they started attacking those who were in the rear, the, the weaker, the slower the women and children. And in Exodus 17, we talked about it that Sunday. Moses quickly called up Joshua to choose some men to go out to lead the fight against the Amalekites. And Joshua and his men won the battle that day in the valley. Remember, as Moses was on the mountain praying, Aaron and Hur assisting him up there. And after the battle, the Lord spoke to Moses, and he told Moses, write it in a book of memorial, just like I was just saying, write this day in a book of memorial, and he didn't leave it there. He said, recite it in the ears of Joshua, the events of this day. Recite it in the ears of Joshua. 
God did that because he knew there was going to come a day when there would be a turning of the page and Moses would not be there and Joshua was going to have to lead into battle. And he knew that he wasn't going to be able to lean on Moses or Moses' intercession. He was going to have to read it in the book that God is faithful and he was going to be there. And with the battles ahead, there were many battles ahead in the conquering of the nations there in the promised land. Joshua was going to need the record of God's faithfulness to remind him that every battle is fought with God. He was a warrior. He was raised to be a warrior. We today, we are warriors. You are warriors. We are all warriors for the kingdom cause, and our every battle is also fought with God's help. Paul's familiar scripture in Ephesians 6 reminds us that we're not wrestling, we're not fighting with flesh and blood. Flesh and blood is not our enemy. That person who just can just bring drama into everything at work. That person is not your enemy. That family member that always causes an upset at Thanksgiving, that person is not your enemy. We are not fighting against flesh and blood, but it's powers, it's rulers, it's authorities over this present darkness. We have to confront them by being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, and by being clothed with all of that armor that's in Ephesians chapter 6. On October the 27th, when our, our midweek quarters uh, classes change, on Tuesday night, October the 27th, the class begins, and Pastor Anna is going to teach a course on the armor of God. If you need more instruction in that, even if you don't think you do, come to the class because I guarantee you can learn something new in this teaching on the armor of God. And we need to be fully clothed and prepared for battle. Like I said earlier, if you think you're just going to skate into heaven, you're not. (laughs) You're not. It's a battle for all of us. Some closing thoughts, and this really does mean I'm going to close. Not like I said all ago. You know, it couldn't have been easy. I was thinking about Joshua this week when I was reading about him, and I was thinking, you know, it could not have been an easy task for him to follow Moses as the leader of the people. How do you step in to lead the people behind Moses? How do you follow a man like Moses? But you know, if you read out and you study the life of Joshua, you never will see any indication recorded in the Word of God that Joshua ever communicated any doubts, any insecurities, or any fears to God. You'll never see an incidence recorded in Scripture where Joshua disobeyed God. And that's remarkable. Joshua's influence was so great on the children of Israel that all the days of his life, as he led them, as they possessed their inheritance, he, his leadership, he was able to keep them faithful to God. Now think about that. This was a people who had been notorious for backsliding, turning their back, worshiping other idols, the golden calf, other things that we, we didn't study about in here. They had been notorious for that. That was their parents, I know, but that had filtered down. We know some of that had. And yet Joshua, through his influence, he was able to keep them from backsliding all the days that he was the leader. 
He stepped into his place for his generation. He possessed his inheritance. And he was also the key factor in helping the others possess their inheritance. At the end of his life in Joshua 24, records that Joshua called together all the Israelite elders, all the heads, all the judges, all the officers of all the people. He called them all together to Shechem before he died. He wanted to give some last words of encouragement to the leaders. He wanted to encourage them to continue to fear the Lord, to serve him, to serve God, to serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. And the challenging statement that he made that day to those people has echoed down through generations and generations and generations. You can all probably quote it. On that day, he said to them, choose you this day whom you will serve. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And these words put a period on the end of Joshua's life. God's work in Joshua's life flowed into a destiny and a purpose for Joshua. And it all began when he submitted himself to a mentoring relationship. He submitted himself to a spiritual father to lead him. And then out of that mentoring relationship, he had the realization that he needed his own personal relationship with God, and he cultivated it. And from that personal relationship, there flowed a revelation to Joshua that he needed empowerment from that presence of God. And then from that power and presence of the Holy Spirit came that gift of faith that empowered him to be strong and courageous. And that strong and courageous Joshua became a warrior general who led the Israel armies in every victorious battle. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you bow your heads as we pray today? Father, we thank you for the encouragement from your word. We thank you for what we can learn from your word. And God, we know that it all starts with having a relationship with you, with every head bowed in this place today. I want to just make sure that everyone has connected in that relationship. Everyone has connected with Jesus here today. If you're in this place today and you're unsure about that relationship, you don't know about that connection, we want to pray with you this morning. so easy. If you're watching us on the live stream, whether you're watching us live on Sunday morning the 18th or whether you're watching us a week from now, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit works outside of time. If you feel him tugging at your heart, if you feel him calling you, answer that call this morning. We just want to pray with you. Father in heaven, we're so grateful you sent your son, Jesus. We're so thankful, Jesus, that you came willing to be that sacrifice for us, willing to be that rescuer for us. Thank you that you went to that cross, you went up that mountain to die, but in dying you lived. And because you died and lived, now we can die and live. We're so grateful for your precious blood. We're so grateful that that blood washes away all of our sins. God, your word says that all of us have sinned, and we know it ourselves. 
all have sinned and fallen far short. And we thank you that that blood, if we accept that today as our covering for our sins, that it washes away all of that sin and we can be free in Jesus. Thank you for that precious blood. We believe in it and we confess, Lord. We confess that you, Jesus, are the only way. You are the only way to salvation. And we receive you this morning as our Savior. Thank you for washing us away. Now, Jesus, we ask that you come and fill us with your precious Holy Spirit. We ask that you enlarge our capacity, God. Enlarge our capacity so that we can receive more and more of your Spirit. God, in the days ahead, when we need to lay things down, when we need to, and not even sin, God, but just things that are distracting us, things that are keeping us from your presence, things that are keeping us from your word, God, fill us with your power to enable us, Lord, to lay aside, as Paul said, every weight, every weight, everything that's slowing us down, Lord, in our run for revival. Help us. Give us the courage. Give us the revelation first to see it. Let us see it, God, what's slowing down our race, Lord, what's hindering us. And then give us the courage, Lord, to set it aside. God, give us the courage to lead our families. Give our moms and our dads the courage, Lord, to expose their children to the things of God, to raise them up, Lord, in the way to train them up, as your word says. God, the next generation has to be trained. We can't just throw them out there and expect that there's going to be any success in that. The enemy will eat them up, Lord. They have to be trained. Let that burn heavily in the hearts of our parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, whoever, the guardians that are raising the children in every home, God. Burn that into their hearts, Lord. Burn that into our hearts, Lord, that we need to train our children. And it takes intentional. It's intentional, not just making a comment and hoping they caught it. But we need to intentionally train our children in the way of the kingdom, Lord, so they're prepared to take their place in your ranks, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Give us a hunger for you. Give us a hunger, Lord. Let us want you more than we want anything else, more than we want food, more than we want sleep, more than we want rest, more than we want anything, God. Increase the hunger in our hearts, Lord, so that we'll want you more than anything, Lord. So that we can be what you want us to be in this day, in this hour, in this season of time, in the kingdom for such a time as this. Lord, I bless every person that's here today that's gathered in this place. I bless their family. I bless their health and their strength. Lord, boost their joy and boost their immune systems. Boost their joy and boost their immune systems, Lord. We thank you for your protection and your covering over all this family that's associated with Cornerstone and even all of our communities, God. We thank you, Lord, that we have a Psalm 91 covenant with you, Lord. We thank you that you are faithful to that covenant, Lord. 
We thank you for recovery in those. We thank you for the testimony this morning from Brother Al, all his family in the valley, Lord. They're all better. They've gone home from the hospital. The baby stopped coughing. God, we just give you glory for that. We give you glory for that. We thank you that Sonny is better, Lord. We give you glory for that. We thank you that you bless your people with healing, Lord, and strength, God. We thank you for that, Lord. We just ask you to continue to pour out your blessings. As we go forward, Lord, but not so many blessings that we get complacent, God. We want to be warriors, God. We want to be warriors for your kingdom. We want to possess our inheritance. We want to take our ground, the ground of our community, for your kingdom. God, I bless these people with peace as they leave this place today.